It's a special edition of Locked On Hornets because we're actually doing a crossover edition with Locked On Hawks. That's right. Brad Rowland is going to be joining us to talk about the play-in matchup, the 9-10 matchup between the nine-seeded Hawks and the 10-seeded Hornets. It's all today, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets and it's Locked On Hawks. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, your teams every day. I don't know how to do this and speak for Brad. I'm just trying to get through the intro the best I can. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson. And LOH, the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and Locked On Hawks and BTR Roland. That's where Brad comes in, part of not only the host of Locked On Hawks, it's also part of Dime Up Rocks, Sportsline, Battery Power, SBN, Up Rock Sports. All of that's on his bio on Twitter. He's a Renaissance man. He's Renaissance Roland. Brad, how are you doing? <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, uh, trying to live up to uh, that billing, I suppose, for the rest of this podcast. But thanks for having me, and this should be uh, fun to talk about as we have a pretty big game to cover in a couple of days. I want to see that in your bio, by the way. Renaissance Roland. I want to, that, that is the show's objective now. I don't really care about your analysis of the Hawks, even though we're going to get to that. I just want to make sure <laughs> Great tease. that in your bio that you put Renaissance Roland. I guess we'll get to this game. Um, <laughs> the, the way that it was posed to me, so we're doing this at night. I completely forgot that we we're going to be doing this crossover pod. Doug texted me, immediately had to set up. And yes, I am wearing the shirt. And really, sorry, all of the clothes that I was wearing in yesterday's episode, quote unquote. Wow. So walk it, of shame. It, more like the Walker of Shame, and so I apologize yeah. for not. I'll do the jokes around here already. No, no, Walker of Shame is good. That's nope. good. Walker, you're the of professional shame. radio guy, and you show up late. I get dressed up. I'm wearing the duds. I'm wearing, you know, you're you show up late. You're, the, you're supposed to be the pro. <laughs> you're, you're wearing a tuxedo right now, and I'm wearing the same exact thing. Unbelievable. I, I hope that I don't wear it on Wednesday. That would know. That's when you know I'm really bad. But. It was posed to me that we are supposed to be using this time to get to know one another, almost like the first date between Locked On Hawks and Locked On Hornets. And so, Brad, I will allow you this time to introduce yourself, how you got here, the end of the 82-game regular season going into the play-in matchup. How would you describe the road that led you to this nine seed? Yeah, I guess it began in the mid-80s. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, take us all uh, the way back. Tell us all the way. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a weird year for the Hawks in a lot of ways, which, uh, of course, as you guys all know, covering the team that you cover every single day, it's uh, it's a grind to do every single day. And with the Hawks, they started they started pretty slowly, and they never really recovered until like the end of March. They've been playing pretty well lately, so the feeling and the vibe is a little bit better than it was. But coming off of the conference finals appearance, I don't think anybody projected the Hawks to be in the nine ten matchup, including themselves. I think to a man after the game on Sunday, the finale that they had in Houston, which they won. And should have been pretty happy. They were all kind of saying, like, look, we didn't expect to be here. It's not where we want to be, et cetera. And I think that, um, you know, objectively, they've been playing pretty well for the second half of the season. But the first half was kind of maddening. And even the second half, they've had a couple of, I don't know, weird games is the way that I will put it. Some bad losses along the way that have not been very consistent this season. It's been a buzzword throughout the campaign. And uh, given where the heights have been, like, when they play well, they are really, really good, as we saw last year in the playoffs with a very similar roster 
But when they don't play well and they kind of go through the season and kind of go through the motions, they can uh, lose to anybody on any given night. So it's been kind of a maddening campaign, but uh, here we are, and they're on the bright side. You want to spin it positively. They're 26 and 14 in the last 40 games, which is pretty good. Yeah, I'm, cur- I'm curious, Brad, like when did you know? When did you know that this season was not going to go like everyone thought it was? Because I'm sure, you know, the beginning of the season jitters, there's a lot of things that you can say to kind of explain away a weird start, especially when a team comes off an Eastern Conference Finals type of season. But when did you know, like, uh-oh, something's, something's rotten in Denmark? I think early on, they had, their, they had a very early West Coast trip, and coaches and players hate that. You know, I've talked to people around the league long enough to know that those West Coast trips, the two that you do every year if you're a team from the East Coast, are treacherous. And they had one like the second week of the season, and they did, and they went winless on that trip. And it wasn't as if they lost to any bad teams. They had a brutal schedule. It was like Utah and Phoenix and all these good teams, but they lost them all. And the vibes were really bad at that point in time. And you look up, and they're like three and seven, three and eight in the standings. And it wasn't a disaster if you took a step back and looked at it. Like, look, they just lost to some good teams, but. Uh, from that point forward, they're basically digging out of the hole that they dug for themselves, to be fair, but they certainly ne- they ne- never had any momentum going forward until really late in March. So I'm not sure if that was the moment where I thought it was going to be a long year, but that was the moment where it kind of occurred to me, like, look, this is not going to be an easy 48-50 win kind of season. When you start 3-7, and 3-8, and eight, it's just kind of hard to come back from that. You have to be really good the rest of the way, and they were better than that the rest of the way, but certainly not quite toward the level that they thought they were going to be. All right, Doug, Brad described how they got here with the Atlanta Hawks. How would you describe how the Charlotte Hornets got here at the end of the 82-game season? Well, the Hornets came into this season with a lot of young talent, a lot of uh, young promise and players that were developing and were going to continue to develop. But, you know, the one thing coming into this season that we saw as a gaping hole was the center position. They do sign Mason Plumlee before the season got started, but we all felt like, okay, and? And (laughs) this can't be what we're heading into the season with. And and they did. And so I think you and I had this discussion about like, well, you know, they can still make some regular season waves, but I'm not sure that they can really, you know, sustain a playoff run if they don't have a legitimate NBA level rotation at the center position. But they got off to an amazing start, best start in franchise history, in fact, and the wave kept going, and, and they did, but but the defensive issues showed themselves pretty early, and then they got hit by a little bit of injury bug, a little bit of COVID bug, which a lot of teams got hit with, and they went through this period in the middle of the season we called the valiant effort season, where they would just... <laughs> They were just dealing with, you know, three starters out, five total players out, just trying to survive, putting up great efforts, but coming up short. They were able to slowly get some players back. They seemed to get their footing. And then the defense, the bottom just completely fell out of the defense. And uh, towards the end of the season, they went on a pretty uh, awful stretch. They lose Gordon Hayward for a long time. That doesn't help things. Uh, But near the end of the season, they do finally settle out a little bit. But a lot of similarities, Brad, which I'm sure Walker can talk to between the Hornets and the Hawks with the inconsistencies, with the poor defense, uh, you know, with with an injury to a major player, the Hawks, you know, dealing with the absence of John Collins, the Hornets with Gordon Hayward. A lot of similarities, Walker. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. You mentioned Brad, that inconsistency was kind of a buzzword this season. Somebody texted into the ESPN affiliate earlier today, like one word to describe the Hornets season was erratic. And it was the Charlotte Hornets earlier this year, getting off to the great start and then having an awful February where I believe they went two and 10 and then finishing on a strong note, starting with that five game winning streak that began against the new Orleans Pelicans. LaMelo ball starts to put it together, turn a corner even more so than what his all-star season had entailed before that. And, you know, here we are as a 10 seed having finished strong, but this Eastern conference is as good as it's been in a very long time. And so 43 and 39 doesn't get it. Doesn't get you what it used to. Doesn't get you a seven seed, inflation, eight seed playoff I swear. spot. It's, it's affecting. It's, it's affecting effect, the Eastern Conference. It's affecting the NBA. Yeah, it's affecting my takeout orders. I mean, geez, Louise. Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough. And so the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks, they will have to fight to see who gets the chance to then play the loser of the seven eight seed to then see who gets the chance to move on and play the Miami Heat and try to get a series against Miami. Let's talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of each franchise in just a moment. But first, I do want to talk about prize picks. All right, NBA fans, I know you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. And if you are, then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too. And it's because it's easy to use. You pick two to five players and over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and they use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. So what you can do for a limited time is go to Prize Picks because they have an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. So sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Pick entry scores a single point. Also want to discuss Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season, which is already in full swing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's talk about the Hawks' strengths and weaknesses and the Hornets' strengths and weaknesses coming up next on the Locked on Hornets, Locked on Hawks podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It is the crossover edition of Locked on Hornets and Locked on Hawks. We welcome host of Locked on Hawks, Brad Roland, to the show. Brad, the Atlanta Hawks, they are playing a lot better. What is the turning point? Why are the Hawks playing so much better towards the end of the season compared to what got them in this situation where they unexpectedly dropped all the way to the nine seed in the first place? It's a little bit of of everything, I think. It's a boring answer, but I will explain myself to some degree. I think that part of it is that they've been playing better defense. And if you look at the overall season stats, the numbers are pretty gruesome for the Hawks defensively. You know, bottom five in the league, kind of bad, which uh, if you look at the talent, is not that surprising necessarily. But last year when they got hot, it was very similar. They were able to post 
like a league average defense in the second half of last season. And this year has been not far off of that. I think the difference really just is the fact that Clint Capella has been playing like at an all NBA kind of defensive level in the second half of the season. That helps them for sure. He can't do it all, but certainly having a, an elite rim protector does a lot of things for you and just a little bit better for everybody else in the perimeter to make the entire package work because, you know, as, as bad as the Hawks have been, as bad as their talent can be sometimes defensively, they shouldn't be this bad as, as far as they, it's kind of been my line all year long. I mean, they should not be 27th, 28th in the league in defense. 20th, 20th? Sure. Sign me up for that. That makes a lot of sense. But 27, 28, not so much. And then not to be uh, skeptic necessarily, but the Hawks have also played a very easy schedule in the second half of the season, which we all saw coming uh, preseason even. I talked about this a lot. The schedule in the first half was much harder than the schedule in the second half. That's definitely been the case. And, you know, given that they were able to go on this run, I sort of dropped this on people today on Twitter, and I'll say it here. The Hawks haven't won a, a road game against a good team in about two and a half months. They just happen to win. They, they just happen to win at home. They've been really hot. They've been really hot at home, which of course is relevant because they'd be playing this game on Wednesday at home. But they've been kind of just beating the team that they're supposed to beat, which is not the big, not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, you have to do that along the way. But that was what played them early on in the season was that they were losing games that they shouldn't lose, and now they're winning those games. So it's a little bit of everything. But the defense has been better, and the schedule has been pretty nice. What would you say, Doug? Uh, the strengths of the Hornets right now. Well, let me just say first that I'm extremely jealous of Brad for having a rim protecting, an elite rim protecting center because it is, again, the one thing the Charlotte Hornets need to be a competent defensive team. Not having one has, uh, you know, caused all of these ripple effects across the defense because you got to play a lot of junk defenses. You got to play small. You got to play zone. uh, You got to make up for the fact that you don't have that rim protection behind you. And they don't have guards that are especially great, you know, at keeping the ball in front. And so, you know, it, it all just equals. Uh, you know, a bad defensive time for the Charlotte Hornets. But the strengths all lie on the offensive end of the floor where they have just been an elite three-point shooting team for most of this season. They finished sixth in three-point attempts per game. They finished eighth in three-point percentage. Uh, You know, they take a lot of shots at the rim. They take a lot of shots at three. They don't take a lot of two-pointers. They're sort of that perfect modern NBA offense um, and they share the basketball. Uh, they are third in the NBA this season in assist percentage. And that all sort of uh, goes to one of their biggest strengths. And that's the fact that they have this sort of game changer in LaMelo Ball. And when he gets all the way to the rim, he is just so tough to deal with as a defense because, you know, you have to worry about him finishing where where he's been pretty good at that when he gets all the way to the rim. But then his passing ability, pocket pass, it's there. He can see the kick out. He can get it to the corner. Uh, he can throw it behind his head. He can no look pass it. Um, you know, when he gets it into transition, gets uh, the pace going for the Charlotte Hornets, he is just a problem. And as the season has gone on, he's only gotten better. He's a walking triple-double threat. He's going to be involved in the starting unit. He's going to be paired with the bench. I expect him, you know, I expect the Hornets to lean a lot on him and Bridges and, and a lot of their starters shortening down a rotation that has been pretty long this season. You know, I think uh, they are, they're going to rely on, on LaMelo to get this offense started and uh, and he's going to need to. I mean, the offense is going to have to play perfect if they expect to win this game. We went over the last 10 games for LaMelo. The guy's averaging over 23 a game, 47 shooting from the field, 45.7% from deep, and he's doing that 
on nine attempts from the perimeter. So lots of lots of great things you can say as Doug just, I think, went through all of the words for LaMelo and how well he's playing lately. But it's true. And I think LaMelo is being more aggressive. He is starting to hit those shots inside the three point arc, just like he is from outside the perimeter. So strengths, you mentioned it. They're shooting well defensively. We know their weakness. They don't have anybody to really stop a Clint Capella. We know that he's been able to go for like 80%, 7 of 10, 8 of 10 shooting on uh, the Hornets before. But Brad, I want to go to you on this. One of the other strengths, surprisingly so for Charlotte, has been their ability to limit Trey offensively, at least scoring the basketball in the last six games. If you look at Trey Young and his field goal percentage over the last six, the most he's po- or the highest he's posted is 45%. That was on their January 23rd match. Matchup. But in the other games since January 6, 2021, the field goal percentage he's posted 22, 26, 33, 40, 25. This most recent outing, he's been limited to seven, 15, 19, nine points in four of the last six matchups. It seems like the Hornets have always done a pretty good job at limiting Trey Young, hurting the Hornets, at least with his scoring. He's put up some big assist numbers, but at least with his scoring. What have you noticed about Charlotte's ability to defend Trey and what's going on on the court? Yeah, that's definitely true. I was watching some tape of it earlier from this year, and even going back to last season, like you said, he's had some issues against Charlotte, and I think if you look at his numbers, actually for his career, only the Utah Jazz have done a better job in holding Trey Young down numbers-wise than, than the Hornets, which is not exactly the team that you would pick. Even you guys who watch them all the time, I think you probably wouldn't guess that in a vacuum. They'd be the number one team or number two team against Trey Young in his career, but um, I think a lot of it has to do with just throwing different things at him. Uh, Trey, if you let him get comfortable will just absolutely dice you up no matter what. I think the teams that have the success against him are well-coached and they, and they change things up all the time. Um, you know, and it, honestly, over the course of a one-game scenario like this, that is the advantage of, that you might have as the challenger in this case is being the Hornets, is that Trey won't have three games to figure it out. He's going to have a quarter or a half to figure it out. And I think that um, especially given the way that the Hornets have been playing him recently, if you watch the film, they've been trying very hard to get the ball out of his hands. And yeah. if you start with the Hawks, it's not exactly a, a, a groundbreaking approach. I think most teams now, especially in the second half of this season, have been trying to do that because it's not a secret. Trey Young is the sun, moon, and the stars for the Hawks. And if he gets comfortable and has 40 points, they're hard to beat. Um, his passing is a lead as well, but the Hawks don't have overwhelming number two, number three options. So the conventional wisdom now is to blitz him, get the ball out of his hands. And the Charlotte Hornets have done a good job with that if you watch that. Uh, some of the uh, bad d- shooting numbers are also on Trey. So go ahead. Yeah. And, and Doug, we'll end with this on you. Like, look, you look at the play in tournament teams that the Hornets could have faced. Obviously, I don't think any of us wanted to face the Nets because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you don't want to face those guys, even with them struggling as much. We just got the news. Ben Simmons is probably going to help them in the play in tournament and, and beyond, depending on how far they go. Cleveland. Yeah, they don't have that star like Trey Young. They're also a bad matchup because they got seven footers everywhere, and we don't have one that we'd love to play all that much here with the Hornets. So, like, it's weird. Trey Young is a cold-blooded killer, and we've seen him do this already in the postseason. It's why I'm nervous to dip my toe in those waters at the same time. It's like the Hawks might have made the most sense if you were trying to choose your opponent if you're Charlotte. How do you feel about all that, Doug? Trey Young, more like Trey Stung. All right. You can make the jokes if you want. Come on. Uh, well, no, here's here's how I feel about it. Uh, the Hornets have um, 
they they have been hurt by superstars, but they also have shown an ability this season to key in on a particular player and successfully take that player away. Um, so, I mean, I can think of examples like, I mean, they, they were able to slow Joel Embiid down uh, by throwing some double teams and some junk defenses at him. Giannis Antetokounmpo in several matchups against the uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, they were able to do that, and so they and Trey Young. I mean, they've been able to do that. Can they do it again in, in a one game sample? I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, you know, James Borrego, his whole challenge this season has been to find ways to overcome their deficiencies on the defensive end. And so I expect him to throw everything in the kitchen sink in this one game sample. And the real question is, will the players execute on it? Will they start this game with a sense of urgency? Because that's something that the Charlotte Hornets uh, have been uh, lacking at times this season, taking this seriously. They got blown out in last season's play in, uh, and they seem to remember that at least on their practice facility, they've got it posted. They've got the box score from that Indiana Pacers blowout. They remember it, but will they act on it? I mean, I think that's been the big question um, all season. I will say this too, this is a weird wrinkle, is that while Mason Plumley is not uh, obviously a great rim protector, he is strangely good at like blitzing pick and rolls. Like he's able to get steals and and go like point Mason Plumley, point Plum God. Yes, uh, for for that. some of these uh, for some of these defensive possessions. So that's kind of a weird wrinkle. I mean, I expect them to really be aggressive defensively early on in this one. You heard it, Doug, saying Mason Plumley is going to be the X factor in whether the Charlotte Hornets win this game, this play in matchup against the Atlanta Hawks. We will put that in the thumbnail. All right, let's talk about Rock Auto before we move on to the last segment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. So you don't have to choose to spend up to even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. We'll finish up this crossover edition with Locked On Hornets and Locked On Hawks coming up next on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks to our friends at Bet Online, the we know the line for this Hornets and Hawks games uh, game. It's the Hawks that are favored by four and a half points. And Brad, you talked about it. Like Atlanta has been playing really well at home. They've been able to win those games, even if they have not been able to beat good teams on the road. As you mentioned, two and a half months, pretty staggering amount of time that they haven't been able to do it, and still finish relatively strong the second half of the season. It's be, it's because they've been able to take care of business at home. And so, let's ask your prediction now with. The Hawks being the favorite, they are going to be in the comfort of their own arena. How do you expect this game to play out? And what do you think is ultimately going to be the final result? Yeah, I think the line is interesting. You know, I think the Hawks were always going to be favored at home in this game. And four and a half is, I don't know, sort of a, a slight nod to the Hawks on a neutral floor or something like that. I'm not sure if that's the case and you guys can wait on that. But 
The Hawks are 19 and three in the last 22 at home. And going into this week, you know, obviously the Hawks want to get to seven, eight badly, but my point was, you know, just don't fall a 10 because what you don't want to have is a road game for your season. If you are the Hawks and you can't win on the road and now they're at home. So I think it would be hard for me to pick against the Hawks in this game, given that they have the best player in Trey Young, in my opinion, and they've been so good at home and they had experience edge. But at the same time, the Hornets are the, are the kind of team, as you guys well know, that if they have the right night and they're making shots, they could put up 135 points on you in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you look up and you're, and you're down by 12 uh, in the fourth quarter. And uh, so it's not like this is an easy game for the Hawks. I want to stress that. I think in terms of variance, the Hornets are a very high variance opponent for Atlanta, which can be good, but also can be very bad if things go badly. So I'll pick the Hawks. I, the Hawks are the better team if I had to guess it. And if you throw in the home court and just the experience edge, I have to take Atlanta. But I certainly do not think it's like a 80-20 kind of thing. I think it's definitely a lot more narrow than that. And Hawks fans will probably have at least one or two moments where they're not comfortable in the course of this game when the Hornets go on like a 10-0 run and things get a little bit dicey. I mean, I, I want to believe in the Hornets. I really do. Uh, and I do believe in them long term, uh, but I have not had enough evidence this season to believe in their consistency game to game or quarter to quarter. Um, they've just been that inconsistent with their effort, their urgency, their awareness, um, the, their defensive intensity. Um, I don't think they're going to, my prediction is that I don't think they're going to get embarrassed for a second season in a row in this play in. I feel like it's going to be a close first half. It's going to be a little bit of a shootout in the first half, but I think they come out third quarter, Trey Young overwhelms the Charlotte Hornets and they have to wait uh, one more year to try to make a playoff run. Although I will add this one little, uh, you, you know, exception to my prediction that uh, LaMelo Ball is the X factor. You know, I really feel like this is his first legitimate opportunity to make a statement, um, you you know, on a big stage. Uh, I know he's with the team last year, but this really feels like his moment, his team right now, this season. Uh, And and so the legend of LaMelo Ball could absolutely start with a victory through this play-in tournament and getting them into uh, the first round of the NBA playoffs. It would, as I said on the show yesterday, it would be a hell of a story and uh, we'll see if it comes true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, right? Like making the parallels between these two teams. Both of the star players play the point guard position. Both are extremely fun. Both both are among the best passers in the league. And Lamelo has shown to be a really good three point shooter. And we all obviously know the kind of damage Trey can do from the perimeter. And Trey had his moment last year. He beats the New York Knicks. Does it in Madison Square Garden? He's able to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And the Hawks move on to the Eastern Conference Finals in a way nobody expected because Trey was such a cold-blooded killer, as we mentioned. Can LaMelo be that guy? And he is really playing well as you end the regular season heading into this play-in matchup. The last time they played, he hit five of his 10 threes, LaMelo did. And he goes for 22. It gives you 11 assists and eight rebounds. Yeah, Doug, I think I share the same exact feelings you do. I want to believe in the Hornets. And You know what I I do to a certain extent? Like, I think this is actually going to be very, very close. I think we're going to get a really fun, a really good game. But ultimately, 
How do you bet against the guy in Trey Young that has shown up in these big games before? Oh, wow. I thought you were going to pick Horny. You, see, this is a good job by you. You went, you kind of went Hawks and then you went yeah. Hornets. Now you're back to pro. Hawks. I, I kept, I, I look, I, the, the, the constant theme, right, is to keep you listening somehow. And I just wanted to make you think I was going one way and then boom, I, I pulled the rug out from under you. And then I decided to go with the Hawks. I do think it's going to be really close. I think the Hornets cover, right? Like, I think it's going to be one of those games that might come down to the last possession. But in the last possession time, Type of game, you know, Trey Young, the, the guy is amazing at hitting those types of shots, finding the right play. So I think ultimately Atlanta, they move on and we'll see, but it should be a fun game. Uh, final thoughts, Brad, on what you think we're going to see. Like, or is there any game within the game that you want to see in this matchup come Wednesday night? Yeah, we, we've covered a lot of it. I think it is appropriate, like you guys have said, about it being a close game. These are two teams that have identical records. And they're two and two in the season series in the same division. Like it doesn't get much closer than that on paper in terms of like the expectations in this game. Uh, I think if I had to like take an X factor beyond the obvious stuff of Trey and LaMelo and who plays better and all that stuff, it will be how the Hornets fare against the Hawks when they're playing that small unit with PJ at the five. Uh, I think if the Hawks lose this game, it's because they can't stop that group. And it's because they play Capella off the floor or something like that. I think if I had one thing I'd be worried about there, if I was the Hawks, is just stopping the Hornets when they go to that group. So uh, if that either doesn't work or the Hawks manage to uh, sort of outscore them anyway, that might swing things. But uh, I mean, on paper, it doesn't get much closer than this. 43 and 39, two and two and uh, division rivals, point guard led. There's just so many similarities that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a that's no, a great point, Brad. I mean, in that last matchup against the Hawks, PJ Washington was the was the absolute X factor, especially late in that game as the Hornets pulled ahead. So, um, yeah, love a good rubber match. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I'll just my final thought is that if you if you bet, use bet online, but don't bet on the Hornets. It's just a, it's a, it's, 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 just, it's just you can't you can't win. It doesn't um, matter. I, the, the last thing I do want to point out for this game before we let Brad go is. Doug, he mentioned us being a really high variance team, which is a term that we have not used, which we absolutely should have quite a bit mm. this season. And the person I don't know what it means. That's the problem. Well, yeah, well, that's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know later. But just okay, know that you. Kelly Oubre is like most responsible or one of the players most responsible for us being a high variance team. He's still getting minutes. And it's not like you can go to Gordon Hayward because he's Ooh. out. Like, th- does Kelly give you one of those Kelly games that are few and far tsunami. between? You talking a little tsunami, puppy? Watch out for the wave, baby. Like, is Kelly coming out? <laughs> and is he going to do what he did against Chicago? Go six of ten from the field. Like, all right, this is just where Kelly decides to go nuclear from three-point range. He's actually been shooting better in the last three games, 16, 18 points. You know, six, but only in the 16 minutes that he played against Washington. It's just it is like the break in case of emergency. And man, it's powerful. You don't know what you're going to get. So don't break the glass often. But it's a playing game. It's March Madness type of scenario. Like, let's just see if Kelly can do some stupid stuff and if the Hornets can move on because of it. I think both teams, Hawks, Hornets, have had like shrug seasons. (laughs) Win or lose. You're just like, I don't know what the hell happened. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I, I feel like we could be asking. That's Brad Roland. The dude is awesome at covering not only the Atlanta Hawks, but everything Atlanta sports. I do want to talk to him in another episode, maybe the next crossover, or just at some different point in time about the Atlanta Braves, that whole Freddie Freeman situation. But Ooh, even if spicy. I can't talk to him about it, you can go follow him on Twitter to see everything. He's a high variance host. Yes. Did I use it right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I true. That's true. 
I don't think so. He's more consistent <laughs> than that. He hosts Locked On uh, Hawks. He is a part of Dime Up Rock Sports Line Battery Power SBN. Please go follow him on Twitter at BT Roland. Brad, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you uh, so much for joining us. And good luck to the Hawks on uh, this play in matchup between the nine and 10 teams. Yeah, it should be fun. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Brad Rowland joining us on this crossover edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks to Doug for reminding me to host this edition of Locked On Hornets. Next time I'll remind you to change your shirt. I can smell you. I I can smell you virtually. God, you're right. You can't smell me. All right. Thanks for making Locked On (laughs) Hornets your first listen every day. Make your second listen Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and it's available wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.